Yes, it is that time again. And finally, George and Adam, we bring it out west. Hi, my name is Yogi Roth, and this is uh, Field of 12 After Dark, presented by Bet Rivers. So, fellas, as I've learned on social media, you started off with, mm -hmm. with the cheers, right, George? Indeed. Okay. We, we, we raise a glass. First of all, welcome, Adam, Yogi. Welcome to the Field of 12. Come mm -hmm. on in, fellas. Welcome. So to be here. Welcome. Uh, Yogi, you want to you want to lead the role on the toast there? I would love to. I want to make sure that uh, not only are we toasting to a, a fun hour talking about West Coast football, right, and get to hang out with one another, but we're going to also toast to a player, a thing, a team, a program, toast something in the Pac-12. So I'm going to kick off the party. And I know it may be obvious for all of you on the West Coast and, and my brethren here, but I'm going to toast to the Utah Utes taking the natural next step. This is not your Texas Longhorns hype train right now, Quinn Ewers. This is not a team that's, I think, getting oversold. This is a team that's exactly where it's supposed to be. I believe Cam Rising is a Heisman candidate. The fact that he's 80 to 1 odds blows my mind. Tune back in tomorrow night to hear my take on that. But with that said, <laughs> I'm toasting to the Utah Utes. Hey, I love it. I love it. That. We can dig that. Mm -hmm. Yourself? George, uh, we'll go with you. Who you got? I am going to go non-player. I'm going to go that this year, first time and feels like since the inception of the playoffs, the Pac-12 mm. come to the dance. And Ooh. they I don't know if they're monsters, but they got a couple of wedding crashers. We're going to talk about them. Utah, maybe these guys down here in Southern California – Toast to the Pac-12 doing a little bit more than, um, you know, participating in college football. That these guys from the West Coast, I think they crashed this year. To the Pac-12. To the Pac-12. To the Pac-12. Mm -hmm. Adam? Well, boys, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go player. I'm going to go the player route. I'm toasting to Bo Nix. Uh, anytime you get a guy from the SEC – He's thrown for 7,000 yards in his career. A lot of talk about Ty Thompson, right? But I'm not I'm not drinking the Ty Thompson Kool-Aid yet. I'm all in on Bo Nix. We're going to toast to Bo Nix, a big-time end to his career uh, in Oregon. All right. That's a toast right wow. there. Uh, That's a brilliant. big one. We will come visit that again. <laughs> yeah, we uh, will. Uh, in, I was just in Eugene. Uh, I did the tour of the Great Northwest over the weekend. So mm -hmm. Oregon State, Oregon, uh, and UW. Uh, just came back, saw the Trojans, finished my training How camp, tore off. It was strong. I'm looking forward to calling their opener on the Pac-12 network. Can't wait. Rice and our friend Mike Bloomgren, Marcus Tuiasasopo. Uh, it'll be a fun game. And I think it's almost a sellout already at the Coliseum for Rice. So if you think about that and how they finished the year in the UCLA game at the Cali with nowhere near that, right? It's, it just shows the excitement around Lincoln Riley. Um, I do also want to comment, George, on the Pac-12 making a, a, a return. I also yeah. want to, hey, I, I want to extend the olive branch. It sounds like the SEC might actually be interested in nine conference games. So welcome to our party if you do make that change <laughs> in the next couple of years. Because as we have learned, Adam and I have been out here in Georgia out on the West Coast. When you have eight conference games and you play no one in week 11, that makes your life much easier than it does when Utah visits Oregon, for instance, in week 11 this year. So let's start right. It does, there. but just as a quick retort to that. Here we not, go. That, not that these <laughs> thoughts are anyway paid for or endorsed by the SEC, but 
when you're when you live in Jurassic Park, there's a dinosaur at every door. There's a dinosaur at every residence. I get it. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to get Ichabod State or peanut butter and jelly, that's State, who they play. Man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, damn, you're going through eight T Rexes, a smaller T Rex. Yeah. If you want to get, you know, a German Shepherd in there every now and then, I get it. But yes, to your point, yes, makes sense. Well, Good here's them. one thing we know: we know the inequities in college football remain inequities in college football. And I think the scheduling one is a, is a really simple one to clean up. David Shaw, our friend has been championing that for years. And I think it just makes sense when you look at college football around the country, but in week one, we have Utah going down to Jurassic park as George referenced to face Florida for Florida. They got a new head coach. They have a game that kicks off at the swamp at seven o'clock down there. I mean, I don't know if you can ask for anything more with Anthony Richardson at the starting quarterback. Uh, it's exciting for that program. I'm a huge fan of their new head coach. But as I referenced, this is Utah's next step, guys. I was there when they started their Pac-12 lives. I was there when they beat my Pitt Panthers in the Fiesta Bowl with Alex Smith and ended my life, at least for the night. It was a struggle uh, watching that one go down with Tyler Palco at the helm. So now Utah, I think, will go down to Gainesville, and I think it'll be workmanlike. Uh, I'm curious for both of you, um, what are your thoughts as we break down the overwhelming favorite for this year's Pac-12 champion to George's point? They may be the crasher to uh, that Jurassic Park theme park that uh, that we've known to be the SEC, a.k.a. the CFP. Adam, I'll, I'll let you yeah. go first. I, I think when you look at the, the Pac-12 schedule, that's the game you circle, right? When And all the all the talk about conference realignment, all the talk about where the Pac-12 falls on the in the in the college football, um, you know, power discussions. You know, it's a game the Pac-12 has a chance to put itself back on the map on national television and with Billy Napier's first game as the head coach at Florida. And, and I think Utah gets the job done. I mean, Kyle Whittingham, what he's done with that program is so impressive. And, and it's, it's a good example of what happens when a university and a school aligns with their head coach and gives them time to build the thing the right way. They've now invested in them with his hundred million dollar contract, but, and you know, I got to go there, but man, do I love Utah's tight end room, man. You know, oh, you got Brett, go you got there. Brent Keith, go you there. got Dalton Kincaid. I mean, it's one of the best tight end rooms in the country. I mean, obviously, you know, Georgia's is really good. Penn State's got a great one. But in the Pac-12, uh, they got really two really good tight ends who uh, who are, are, are two of the top and top in the country that could probably start at any school in the Pac-12. So um, I, I think Utah gets the job done. Clark Phillips, the third, is a special player on defense. Uh, I don't think he gets enough recognition. He's going to be a NFL guy at, at, at corner for Utah. So I'm excited to see that game. That's one I've had circled for a long time. Um. I've, I've wrestled with this one. I have a lot of respect for Coach Napier. And I think Anthony Richardson is the East Coast. Like, there's really two monsters. There's a lot of talented quarterbacks. There's two monsters in the country. I'm talking about can go out and do anything. Leap over humans. Throw it from one end zone to the other. Caleb is one. He's here. Anthony Richardson's the other one. But that unit is still trying to gel and mesh the stress and pressure is definitely on Florida. And I don't know the Utes as you two do as well to, 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 to walk people in through a unit room like you just did. Like I, I have all the respect in the world for Cam Rising, but to me, Utah is a biker gang. And the last group of people you want to see showing up to your shindig to start the season's a biker gang. They remind me of what LSU was with last miles. Brutal on both sides of the ball. 
They tear the place up when they leave. Like, who wants to see that? So I just think the stress and pressures on Florida, I do, you know, if I had you got, if I got pressed, I think Utah does win it and they start off like that. But if Anthony Richardson and that new Florida staff can bow up, the swamp is the swamp. If they can get some of that generated, you, you might be talking about one of the best games of the season starting the season out, but it is a brutal affair to go to, to dance with Utah. Uh, nobody wants to see a biker gang, nobody, but they're headed to Florida. It, it, it's know? also really tough. Sorry, Yogi to, to play it at Florida in, in, in early September. That is, that is not a, not a, easy place to play we played there when i was at umass and it is hot and loud and it is a tough environment it wasn't like any, fun for you oh it was not fun yeah i don't i don't uh, <laughs> i barely remember most of that game but it's a it, that's gonna be a tough trip for utah but I, I do think they get the job done the humidity might be a a, a good you don't get that in salt lake yeah. and the speed mm. there's a couple of things i think but again biker gangs like they really don't give a shit about <laughs> all that stuff they don't they don't so we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. Yogi, you, so you think they go in and come out with a win? No. Well, let me just no let me just address let me just address the biker gang comment number one. <laughs> mm-hmm. As you may have seen or may not have seen on social media, Kyle Whittingham has a sweet bike as a uh, motorcycle see? and just rolled see? it into Rice Cycle Stadium yesterday. Drove on into the team practice. So they <laughs> they can handle that analogy. I like that, George. Might use that in a, in a game if appropriate. Uh, yeah. The second part of the humidity, uh, again, for our you know, friends on the East Coast who probably aren't paying attention much to West Coast football, Utah has been practicing in the indoor facility and training camp, and they have cranked up the heat and humidity in the facility. So, look, this is, eight, this is year 18 for Kyle Whittingham. He is right. not a rookie at this thing. And I just think his team is so measured, fellas. Like, like I, I love hype in the preseason. Uh and there's a lot of teams that are full of hype right now. I think when you look at the top 15 in America and it's just like a hope, oh, I hope they can do it. Utah's like, it's a sure bet. Like it's a lead pipe cinch. It's like, Hey, they're going to come in. And as George said, they're going to play their style of ball, but they're also going to be explosive down the field. Mm-hmm. They got a core group of receivers that are not getting a lot of play. Brent Keithy will line up all over the field and find a trio that's more talented. Maybe you could find one as talented, but find a trio more talented and more productive than Tavion Thomas. 20 plus touchdowns a year ago at 6'3, 240 at tailback. And they got three or four tailbacks that can all play, including Jalen Glover, who might be a freshman All American by the end of the year. The quarterback, Cam Rising, one of the most efficient guys in the country. Uh, his story is fascinating. This isn't like a three star quarterback who came out of nowhere. It's a five star dude, committed to Oklahoma, flipped, signed to Texas, transferred to Utah, had to sit based on wacky NCAA rules when JT Daniels was immediately eligible, for instance, it was the same year when they transferred, uh, but he sat, got injured when he won the job, didn't win the job last year, came in in week two and led the team to the Rose Bowl. Like he's got the stuff that most like first and second year players don't have because they don't go through that experience. Like right. he's got a, he's got a lot in the tank. Yeah. And then Keithy will line up everywhere. And Andy Ludwig is their coordinator. George, I know you've been around him. I don't know if you've met him yet, Adam, but he's, well, he's the true scientist. Like, the way he works, the way he communicates, like the way, like he, he there's more light on us right now than in his entire life in a film room. Like he is dark room getting to work with his pen and paper and, and his, his game plans are great. So I like them. I think they replaced their stars on defense. Uh, Clark Phillips. I'm going to sit down with him tomorrow. Uh, he's got a great journey. This is an Ohio state commit who flipped to Utah 
And they've done that a few times now. You look at uh, Jay, um, uh, a couple corners and secondary guys like Julian Blackman now in the NFL. Uh, Jalen Johnson was a five-star player out of Fresno that went to Utah. Like they're quietly Trail Burgess starting for the Rams. Like this has got next level guys, I think, at every position. So it'll be an awesome atmosphere. As long as Utah can handle the first couple drives in that environment, I think they come out and pull away. Kind of like, uh, you know, Alabama-Miami early on in the season. Or one of those games where, like, you get the best shot and then you just settle in. I think that's what we'll see. Um, but it'll be a big year for them. Put a bow on Utah before we move on. What I love about them and Cam Rising, um, they've got some marquee games. Like, when you look at their schedule. Florida, you both referenced. USC, middle of the season at home. At last time SC's going to Rice Eccles, you know that place will be crazy. It's been sold out for 50-plus games already straight in a row and then they go to Oregon in week 11 so well moments, uh, national, moments uh, national San Diego State September 17th not you know anything biased about Dime City down here but the Aztecs are eight and two in their last 10 Pac-12 games yeah we'll get to them George right now I think the Aztecs they got to clean up a few things off the field right now they got some yeah, true. Thing is going true. on right now, uh, which true. is not cool on a bunch of levels, um, but it's probably good for Arizona, who has him in the open, and we'll get to Jed Fish uh, later on in the show. Uh, let's talk about, I think, the, the next three teams, to me, are clumped. Uh, I don't know where you guys see Oregon. Adam, you referenced Bo Nix. UCLA, I am very high. I picked them second to finish in the league. Uh, wow. I love their schedule. I love – ton of their players i can get into the weeds if, if you'd like and then the trojans which are the the great unknown and as lincoln riley said and i will quote it is the most unique roster in the history of college football 20 20 transfers right eight only eight true freshmen are on this roster right now from this last signing day class so where do you want to attack uh, george i'll start with you of like who do you see next as of now and, and why um i see it 2A and 2B, okay. and they're both L.A. schools. I think they're both better than Oregon. Mm. And really from the quarterback standpoint and uh, and the, and staff, play caller standpoint, Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley, they've been in the wars. Like they really have had to like kind of maybe not reinvent it themselves or their attack plan, but they've had to revamp it mid game because they're going up against an opposite equal on the other side. Both of them have done that. Now think about this, the two LA schools first UCLA has a five year starter coming up in, in DTR mm -hmm. five years. You can't buy that kind of experience. You cannot offense. buy that type yeah. five years. He's going to put these records, you know, in a place they can never be touched, but records aside, there's not, there's no scenario he hasn't been in. I think the game that really like he's going to anchor his career was beating LSU at home. And Yogi, when we saw him this summer, Adam, he said, I asked him, when did you know you had that game won? He goes, man, second or third series. Mm -hmm. Second or third series. He goes, yeah, coach, second or third series. We knew what the motion was doing. I understood our physicality at the front. Hey, we can do some things. We can run the ball between the tackles. And then he said he just turned a chip and he goes, run it, call it. We got it. So USC, but as much as I'm excited about SC, I mean, UCLA, SC, they have a monster over there in Caleb Williams 
And I'm not just talking about these traditional quarterback aspects of arm is a rocket because it is, and he's an incredible athlete because he is, but because he makes these winning Derek Jeter type plays, Kansas on the road last year, the wheels are coming off at Oklahoma. He just took over and it's not going well. They're messing around in Lawrence, Kansas, and the Jayhawks are jumping all over in the third quarter, third and two, he hands off, back gets stopped in the backfield. Caleb, instead of watching and just like wishing it to happen, reaches, takes the ball, goes and gets the first down on his own. Just takes it from the running back. Give it to me. I'll go get it done. And then from then on, that's special. That's a competitor. That's not I'm playing a role. I need to slide in the open field or do all these things. I'm a football player who's really a monster, who's really lined up a quarterback. And now, like Yogi said, they got all these free agents. Like they signed more free agents than I think any of the NFL teams did. Stayed just under the cap, apparently. And and so now what are they going to do? And now the schedule sets up for some interesting matchups, but I don't know if they're insurmountable. So to put a bow on that, Utah, the city of L.A., Oregon. Okay. All right. All right. We'll get we'll get to Oregon. Don't worry. Go ahead, Adam. I, I like it. I like it, but uh, I got USC as the best team in the conference. I, I think oh, USC. Uh, I think they're way too talented. You look at the the playmakers they they brought in, like you just said, they 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 hit they hit free agency and they hit it hard. I think they signed like six re, six high school recruits, and the rest were were uh, were were transfers. But obviously, Caleb Williams, you said it. Jordan Addison might have been the biggest pickup of the offseason um, for for. Um, any any receiver across the country, uh, obviously, was the Blick and Off Award winner, Mario Williams. I mean, he has so many guys to throw to. They at tight end Malcolm Epps, who's a guy that no one's talking about, played at Texas, uh, is big and long and gives them a, a red zone target. They got the two transfer running backs in, the best running back from Oregon, the best running back from from Stanford, uh, and they, they're they're so talented all over the place. Obviously, the concern is the offensive line, as it almost always is uh, for the for USC. But I think Caleb Williams uh, is dynamic enough to figure it out. I think Lincoln Lincoln Riley will will scheme around it, and I think the defense is going to be better than people think. Uh, I think Corey Foreman's going to have a breakout year. You know, for so mm-hmm. long we've seen these five stars at USC, you know, not turn into what everyone expected. But I think Corey Foreman uh, comes into his own this year. Um, Damani Jackson was the big signing for USC at DB. I think he could be one of the freshman uh, freshman breakout players in the Pac-12. So I love you. I love USC, man. I'm, I'm I've been I've been on the Ooh. USC hype train all offseason, and and uh, I hope I don't regret it. But I I mean, obviously love UCLA too. It, it to me, it's a it's a it's a make or break year for Chip Kelly. I mean, they they've had you know he's Whoa. he's they 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 had the offseason controversy with the contract extension. They're not recruiting super well right now. Um, he has DTR back for his fifth season. Um, Zach Charbonnet's, you know, there, and, and he's he's one of the best running backs in the Pac-12. So I think it's a big year for Chip Kelly. Uh, but I, I don't I don't think they're going to end, end the end the year being the best team in in LA. Mm. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to learn so much about tight ends this year. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Adam brings the like he he's cracking this box open that I've never really peeked into, uh, well, except for your headliners. This is going to be great. Well, if uh, I I do believe this that about five years ago, the Pac-12 conference. If you go back and watch guys, like the tight end became a theme. Yeah, you know, it's become a position when you look at guys that played in college and or 
found their way to the NFL. Um, it's become a thing. Um, and I think it's starting to get more notoriety. The fact that Brent Keithy isn't on the Mackey Award watch list to me is uh, just wrong. Right? And, he and he wasn't? No, because the argument is that, like, well, he doesn't put his hand in the dirt. And I say, uh, well, yeah. find me tight ends that only put their hands right. in the dirt. You know, like right. the, the sport is changing. So I challenge us and maybe our listeners can give us a new idea. Like uh, what is, what is the position called, right? If, if tight end's not going to get you uh, to the Mackey award watch list, at least, and you're not a wide receiver, like what are you? Cause, cause you are arguably, and I even argue, I think he's a top five impact player in this league and he's a bear to try to defend. Uh, so let's go to defense um, for SC. I, I can't wait to watch them fellas. As I referenced earlier, I'm calling that opener. Um, it was eight high school guys that they signed, 20 transfers, and a, a bunch of them were on defense, right? Multiple defensive linemen, linebackers, Eric Gentry, one of the most talented guys in the country. Uh, I was just with Ted Robinson, my broadcast partner, and you know, he reminds his body type of Alden Smith in terms of how long he is and athletic he is. I like the secondary and how they've developed. The challenge that uh, I'm most intrigued to watch about SC is that this training camp, right, the 29 practices or so that you have, and call it you know, 17, 18, when you're really going, right? Because they start really game prep. Most teams have started that today and tomorrow in, in major college football. How quickly can you get up to speed? And, and that's what Lincoln Riley told his team, you know, when they began training camp, which was, okay, fellas, like we're a little bit behind the eight ball. We haven't all practiced together. So how quickly can we trust each other? And how quickly can that trust turn into accountability and knowing what to do? And I think that's going to be a real fun challenge for them because the reality is their opponents, at least in conference, they've only gotten tighter, right? If you look at SC to kick off the season, um, they're going to go to Stanford in week two, who I think is undervalued, especially in offense. Uh, they've got weapons. They're not SC explosive at wide out, but they're right below them, in my opinion, in the conference. Uh, Michael Wilson, who George and I, I know you both, you and I both love him. Uh, Bryson Tremaine, who's finally healthy back from injury. John Humphreys at six foot five is a big weapon. Ben Urosik, talk tight ends, is a real talented one. A nice tight end out of Tennessee from Trent Dilfer's high school. Sam Roush is, is going to be there and have an impact. So I wonder how quickly the defense gets rolling because then comes Jake Hayner, who we could argue is in the conversation for top three quarterback on the West Coast. We, I, I don't even think that's much of uh, a dramatic argument with how he produced last year. He's in the dialogue. And then they go to Oregon State. I just came back from Oregon State. That team is as solid of a team as I've seen. All right. So th that's what I'm most intrigued is, yeah, they're loaded. How quickly can it happen? I don't know. I, I don't think any of us know because we've never seen this before. I think that's what so makes you, this so interesting. So you would really put the pressure on Alex Grinch and the defensive staff. Well, I think it, it's everywhere because, like, playing wide receiver and Adam, you're a tight end and George, you're a quarterback. Like, I do think there's something to repetitions, right? And, Mario Williams yeah. came from Oklahoma, so there's a bond there. Uh, but Jordan Addison just started practicing camp. And I think first and second down, no problem. But I, I do wonder when it's a third down and you're running yeah. a drive route and you know you got to sit based on linebacker leverage or whatever it may be. Like those are the things. Like, and I'm not I'm not negative on it. I'm honestly just so curious. That's why I'm so pumped. Like, I don't think I've been more excited to call an opener in my entire life. Like, I can't wait to call. Uh, to call this game so I, I i just don't know about that I, I really i really look forward to it because when i go across town and see ucla i see the opposite like i see a team that's got dramatic trust in one another i see a team that has practiced together for a long time i see a team that's also thrived in the transfer portal you know this is a team that's brought in a bunch of guys that nobody's talking about 
right? Jake Bobo, I think he's an all-conference receiver, but defensively, Darius Musau, starting Mike linebacker, he's all-Mountain West linebacker last year at Hawaii. They bring in Azizi Hearn, a cornerback from Wyoming who started there a year ago, played really well on defense. They bring in two twins from North uh, North uh, Texas to play uh, the, the Murphy twins to play the edges after losing two edges in the transfer portal to Miami and Cal, respectively. So I just think that like we 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 love up SC all the time in the portal, and I think UCLA should get some love, and their core is back with one of the top three running backs in the country. And I think the surest thing at running back in this league for the NFL is Zach Charbonnet. That's why I'm high on. Just the makeup right Ooh. now. And then you look at the schedule. UCLA's first three, because of uh, Michigan and uh, George's buddy out there, they bailed on playing UCLA. So now they have to pick up a non-conference that's at FCS level. They're playing three non-cons Whoa. to start the season. I don't know what really happened with that, but that was who they were supposed to play. So for everybody that lights up UCLA's schedule, Michigan bailed on what was supposed to be a game. So now they start off 3-0. and I think they can make some noise before they host Utah, I think, in uh, yeah, in week six of the season, which could be two undefeated teams with a lot of anticipation. Mm. The Well, I'm with you on this. I like the thing that just jumps out at me about the Trojans. And again, the whole restaurant says under new management, <laughs> they gave up more points than Arizona did last year per game, almost 32 points a game. So all that firepower, but do you have like a defense mechanism? Only Stanford was worse and they weren't that much worse. Uh, And you're right. Defenses tend to like gel quicker and get going, but that's if you got, you know, a a lot of uh, momentum coming in from last year, but new scheme, new staff. Uh, I don't know how active they were in terms of the free agency side. I'm sure they were. Oh, they did great. Uh, They got two guys from your, your favorite conference with the Jurassic Park down there in the SEC. They get Shane Lee at inside backer from uh, Alabama. They come oh, off see. the edge. They mm. get um, uh, Romello Height from Auburn. Uh, so, so they did well, you know, in the portal. But I, to that point, I just go back to like, you guys know, you probably played both ways, whether you were in high school or you watched yeah. it in college or you've seen it. Like, I really believe the best defenses are like, um, they're they're connected, right? They move they're on together. a string. Yeah, yep. exactly. They move together and. You know, this is an active defense. You study Alex Wrench, who I remember him in uh, Pullman at Wazoo with Mike Leach, and then he went to Ohio State, and then he uh, ended up, of course, at Oklahoma. It's active. And when you're active, and that's going to be the question, like how active? Because you can miss a yeah. gap. You know, like, it, it, it's oh, just yeah. going to be fun because their opponents, and this is what gets no play, is the Trojans' opponents, they're real. Like they're really sound is probably the better way to say it. Stanford's going to be sound on offense. We'll yeah. see what they are on defense. Fresno State – dramatically sound Jeff Tefford coming back to run that program. It won't miss a beat after Kalen DeBoer goes to UW Oregon state, Jonathan Smith. I'm telling you fellas, like I, I know our producer Dagan doesn't know a lot about the beeves, but buy the beeves this year. And they, and they got a tough non-con. They go to Fresno in week two and they start off with Boise state in the stadium under construction, but they don't have weaknesses. They might not have first round. So like Grinch. Uh, sorry. Yogi. It sounds like Grinch can't get that exotic. They may have to come out, line up, and play ball as opposed to showing different looks and walking backers up here and playing, like, games. When you have a veteran, familiar group like you can do, or if you're just playing lesser than talent, you can go do all that stuff. But from what you're saying, they may have to get more steak and potatoes and leave all the rest of that stuff off to the side until you put your third down packages in. Otherwise, you 
gassed. I don't, I'm, I'm going to ask him, you're right. We have a production meeting next week heading into the game. And it's going to be the first question. It's like, Hey, wh- what do you want to do? Cause I do think at the end of the year, my hot take of the night, I think SC beats Notre Dame to finish the season and launches themselves into next year. It. Like, I just think it's going to take a minute for them to get into yeah. game ball. Now this offense move the ball yeah. all day long, man. Relique Brown. Oh my gosh. Like they, they got talent to, to Adam's point. Um, but I just go to my, uh, my guru in football and college football is Chris Peterson. And I asked him the day he got the job at UW, how long does it take to build a culture? And he didn't flinch and said 18 months. And that's what I think is so fun about this year for Lincoln Riley, because he knows that too. So they're trying to speed everything up. And mm-hmm. I love what he told his team. He goes, speed around our culture and speeding it up is going to be all about trust. So I need you in. And that's what's going to be fun. I think they're all in. I, I think it's going to be amazing there. I'm just really intrigued. Like I don't sit on either side of the fence. It's one I'm really, I can't wait to sit back and watch. And I, I think one of the, you know, mentioning the, the USC defense and how, you know, the fresh faces and Alex Grinch, I think one of the biggest signings out of the transfer portal, and I'm sure if you're, um, you know, you, you've talked to some guys about him, Makai Blackman from Colorado. Oh, yeah. I mean, Makai just the, 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 the veteran presence that USC desperately needs on defense, um, I, I think it's huge. I mean, he's played a ton of football at Colorado. He was all packed, you know, honorable mention all pack 12, but a veteran guy that kind of brings that stability to that USC defense and that leadership that hopefully, you know, allows you to do some more stuff, allows you to, you know, do more fire zone packages like, like Alex Grinch loves to do. And, and I, I think, I think, you know, it's a guy you don't really hear about a ton, but I think that's a big signing out of the portal for, for Lincoln Riley as, as you know, I think it's kind of a big impact on that defense. I love it. All right. So let's talk about defense. Cause I'd be curious. Um, I don't know if you guys net out with me here. I think coming into the season and coming out of training camp, I would say the same thing. I think Oregon's got the best defense in the league. Uh, I think that an NFL player, an early NFL draft pick at every layer, starting with mm-hmm. Brandon Dorless at defensive line. Noah Sewell is the best player in the league, in my I opinion. Agree. And Christian Gonzalez, I just sat down with him. I was up there a couple of days ago. Uh, this guy is, I think he's a first-round corner. I think he's the best corner out West, and I understand why. You know, we're going to release our uh, the um, uh, Field of 12 All-American team tomorrow. Uh, he won't be on it, not to play spoiler. but And I understand why, but by the end of the year, I think he'll be on everybody's All-American list. This guy is legit fast, right? It, we all probably were captivated. Remember when David Blau, the Detroit Lions, was watching his wife, Melissa, run in the Olympics for Columbia? Yeah. That's Christian's sister. <laughs> Look, this dude grew up. Literally, he said, we'd go to eat dinner and – after dinner, we'd pull over the side of the road to a park and our whole family would race. His dad's 6'9", played professional basketball in Columbia, uh, just a family of athletes. Uh, I think he's he's a beast, man. He's all a 6'2", really long, really athletic, been playing since he was a freshman, followed Demetrius Martin there. Uh, so I'd love this defense. And we'd even talk about some of the other weapons that they have on that side of the ball. Uh, so I'm going with them defensively. Uh, Dan Lanning as a defensive minded head coach, I think is exciting. Only now he's now 36 years old, got the job at 35. There's something cool about that for, for us, all of us. I don't know. George, you and I are older. Adam, I don't, I don't even know. What are you like? 26, 28, 27, 27. 27. Yeah. 27. So you can't imagine <laughs> being 35 yet, but George and I can imagine being 35. Being 35 sounds old, man. I don't know. Yeah, it is. It is, <laughs> it is kind oh, of, that's cute. That's cute. but Adam, um, I want to start with you, man. Like uh, you referenced Bo Nix is the guy you toasted to. Uh, we love Bo. George and I have been around him since he was in high school. What, what makes you lean into the ducks? And if you love him so much, uh, how come you don't think the ducks could win the league? 
or, or maybe you do if you haven't given us your pick. Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I love a good transfer portal story. So I'm a, I'm a big Bo Nix fan. I want to see him. I want to see him end his career on a great note. I think, you know, it's funny. I've, I've, you know, tweeted about Bo Nix some, and every time I do, the Auburn fans just start coming. Like you haven't seen him play. You know, he's lost us so many games. But you talk about a guy that that I mean, he's threatened for forty touchdowns and seventy five hundred yards and won so many games in, in the SEC, the best conference in, in football. Jurassic and now Park, coming man. into the Pac twelve. Yeah. And and I love I just love Dan Lanning, like you mentioned. I mean, his story's it's an awesome story of, you know, he was, you know, twenty seven, twenty eight years old, went to be a GA, rose the ranks quickly. Kenny Dillingham, I think, is a great play caller and and obviously recruits really well and will be great for Bo Nix. Uh, Noah Sewell, I think, is I think rivals Will Anderson as as the, the best defensive player in the country. So uh, I think there's a there's a lot of reasons to to love to love Oregon, and uh, yeah, I I just think that USC is too talented. Uh, I think you know I have I have um, USC one, Oregon two in my in my power rankings, and and I I just think uh, I, I think USC is too talented, but I do love Oregon, man, and I'm and I'm rooting for Bo Nix this year because he's just an easy guy to root for, man. And, and with all the talk about Ty Thompson, you know, all the talk of the fans wanting to see Ty Thompson, and and I think Ty Thompson has an amazing career. You know, that, that that's not even up, that's not even really a question. I mean, he's going to be a special player, but I'm excited to see Bo Nix you know, do the do the do the thing on his last hurrah here at at, at Oregon. I honestly love Bo Nix. Right, just as a just as a dude, as a guy, and Yogi's right. His story is incredible. Oh boy, and I know where this is going. We do get sentimental <laughs> about these guys when we meet them. You know, they're seventeen years old and fresh haircut when they come in, and you see them, and they're you know their eyes are this big and the sword's brand new and shiny. It hasn't hit a new another sword yet. I'm like, wow, it's a great shiny sword you got but I can't wait to see you and that sword go to work. And then he goes to Auburn. And honestly, from some of the staff and players that I'm close to down there, and I nerd out, just like Yogi goes all over, I go all over. It wasn't technically talent. And it wasn't, you know, mechanics and all those sorts of things. It was his inability to galvanize people at Auburn. And Mm -hmm. there was notes of entitlement that came out of Auburn on oh, my name, my family. I do this. I do that. You guys go that way. I'm going this way. And that's where it kind of came undone from what I heard on the ground. Obviously, I, you know, I'm not a tiger, but so to me, it's a lesson that a lot of guys, I think most guys in his situation pick up, learn. It's a learning lesson. I bet you his approach at Oregon is going to be completely different um uh, you know he there's going to be some urgency and some almost some kind of you want to say desperation but this pedal to the floor to go in and will and win hearts and minds a lot like what Russell Wilson did when he got to Wisconsin you're just more self-aware and Mm -hmm. so hopefully he does that Tony Franklin and Chris Hudson I think they're going to help him out at wide receiver there you go Yogi and then Kenny Dillingham you know I'm curious to see how they try to offset what Bo does. Cause honestly, Adam, I don't know if Bo finishes the year as the starter mm. and I think he'll finish healthy, <laughs> but will he go the distance as the starter or will he have to give away the kid behind him? Thompson, talented dude. Now yeah, he's special. He's talented special. dude. He's been in the stables. Now he's kicking that sound. You hear is him kicking. 
those stable doors. Uh, and then Oregon's going to be put in there pretty fast. Georgia, we're going to learn early. Lastly, love Dan Lanning and, and you know, just everything on the table. I wrote him a letter last year. I wrote him a note. I'm a writer. I send coaches notes, and I told him just what Yogi said about defenses earlier. So much respect, not just for – and Yogi and Adam, we call it the Bulldog defense, the White Walkers. We don't know if they'll resume that name again, but that's in homage to the, you know, the unbeatable force out of Game of Thrones. But not just because they had all these world beaters on defense. It's because they play so smart. Very few errors. They had the incredible leadership of Nicobe Dean. They got all these monsters around him and they moved on a string. And I told him they look so well coached, so poised and, and the brotherhood, nothing's breaking this unit. And, you know, he sent a note back, uh, et cetera. I just think he's going to bring a lot of those Jurassic Park elements in terms of grit, battle, the front, how to man the line of scrimmage, because it is a little bit of a different style out here out West. And yeah, you're one of what, maybe two or three monsters, but mm -hmm. there are no other real monsters out here. So, and now you get a Noah Sewell. Who better than to go from Nicobe Dean and then turn and you go, you get Sewell and you say, sit down. Let's talk about this defense's future with you, you know, at the heartbeat of it. I do really like Oregon. And I just really have a concern, um, you know, not at a quarterback play, but at a quarterback leadership, more to the point. Okay. All right. All interesting points. Uh, I'll be brief so we can get to the rest of the teams here. But I, I do think a couple things. Uh, one, let's address the, the present reality. Uh, and you could read about it in a, in a book called Five Star QB that George Whitfield has contributed to. Uh, but Bo Nix is in the book as well. And Bo wrote about how when he chose to go to Auburn, uh, it was almost like he had to go, right? It was predestined. We've all seen the video with him as a kid in the jersey on, right? Like we all been there and watched it on YouTube or on many games that he's played in his career. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily like, this is, this is the thought I want to make, you know? And he said, you know what? I, I looked at the last year. This is a guy who was still going to be the starter there right? from everything I was told and said, you know what? I, I want a fresh start. I want a fresh slate. So I can't speak to, what George referenced, I, I haven't heard that necessarily. But if that's the case, he's saying, you know what? Maybe it's like Russell Wilson, or maybe it's like some of these other quarterbacks that have transferred. Of all right, let me let me just like wipe the slate clean, you know, and mm, and yeah. and take that massive weight off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Let me just kind of play free. And I think that's what we're going to see from him, having been up there in the spring and just being there over the weekend. I think that we're, that's what we're going to see from him, uh, and I'm excited for that. I think defensively, they also have some other guys like Justin Flo. He's the number one recruit in the nation <laughs> yeah. at inside linebacker. This dude is like beast mode. I'm talking sideline to sideline freakish. Noah Sewell, I'll still never forget him at the opening when George and I were there in Dallas. George, you might even have a video of this on your phone, but we're standing there. And I remember standing next to Emmett Smith watching this yep. drill. Linebackers, running backs, one-on-one -on -one oh, amid God. the cones. And oh, it's like, man. turn around, Ken, the running back move and shake and lose the linebacker. And not only does he hawk every dude down afterwards, he screams and says, am I a D lineman now? Am I a D lineman now? <laughs> well, this guy's 265 at four, six. And he's going he'll against 200 pound running backs. He's going to go. Yeah, exactly. He, he's yeah. going to go higher in the draft than the Kobe Dean did. Having been at the draft last year. Like, this guy is, 
is everything. And that's what I'm most intrigued by in the opener. I've talked to, I've done some radio shows as you guys do around the country and in the South, a lot of the prevailing narrative um, is, well, Oregon's not gonna be able to handle it physically against Georgia. If there's one thing I would say they'll be able to handle, it'll be physically against Georgia. I mean, this team was built by Mario Cristobal and recruiting. This is three straight years of top 10 recruiting classes. These Good are point. big bodies. Like these are big dudes. Their old line is not getting any play. Alex Forsyth, I almost put a big argument into making him an All-American on our preseason All-American list, which we'll, again, reveal tomorrow. Spoiler, he's not on there. Uh, there is one Pac-12 lineman on there, though. I'll tell you that who, who that is tomorrow. <laughs> but, but but I say that of, like, this team's built physically. Like, this, they they have had a challenging training camp. And I, I'm I'm so intrigued to see them throw down. I think it'll be a game of, like, you know, they, they're not going to be able to make mistakes. But this is a team that also went into the shoe, and and I get CJ was young, and you can say whatever you want about the offense last year, but they moved the ball at will. And this offensive line, most of them are coming back. So I, I like the physicality of them. On the quarterback thing, I'm going to go Ty Thompson. I'm going to go on a major soapbox here because uh, I'm speaking to fans around the country. We live in a world now, if a kid doesn't play, if a young man doesn't play as a freshman, as a big recruit, they think he's a bust or going to transfer. If he doesn't play as a second year, he's definitely out. Correct. I was with Ty Thompson. We yeah. walked out of the practice field together uh, last week. He looks like a man, right? Like he looks like a member of George's Roman army is I'm sure he's referenced many times in these preview shows. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It's his second year in college with the second system. Let's just relax. It's the most complicated and intricate position in sport. So for fans out there, you know, Oregon hasn't named a starting quarterback. We're all just presuming it to be Bo Nix. If we presume it to be Bo Nix, let's just pump the brakes on. Ty Thompson isn't good enough. Ty Thompson right. didn't make it. Right. Like, yeah. and, and if you have any questions about that, I, I'm happy to have like an educated dialogue with you because there's so many quarterbacks that all of us have worked with and been around that need time to develop. Mac Jones, three so coordinators. Thank you. Leads his time, leads to a national championship and then goes on to go play in the NFL early. Question for you, Yogi. Yeah. How much edge... Does Dan Lanning give Oregon to go see Georgia out of the gate? Now, Georgia can't overhaul that much stuff. They can't overhaul everything. And the scouting on the individual players, half of which he coached, and the other half he saw in practice, mindset, protocols, attitude, uh, response mechanisms – I mean, that's a lieutenant from one army is now a general and turns back to see his old army. How much edge do you give him? If it his, was him as a week, factor, him as a factor. Yeah. If it was week four, I'd say that gets overblown. But because it's week one, I think there's some credence to it. And I think it's going to be in uh, scheming up individual players or scheming up individual pressures, right? Mm. I know how this left tackle sets. I know how this running back chips. I know what this receiver can do. And this is what we need to do on third down if we need to bracket him. Or, hey, I can right. put Christian Gonzalez on an island and let him ride. Like I, that to me. And then it's going to be in the game. But my favorite part about first time head coaches is how they manage situational football. And not just the middle eight, last four minutes of the second, first four of the third, but big punt. When you bring a boundary pressure, when you take a shot. Like those are the things that I'm so intrigued because he's either going to trust his prep, which is one thing, my call sheets, percentages, tell me one thing mm -hmm. or his gut. And I think it's the best coaches I've been around do a combination. Mm -hmm. 
They feel yeah. it. They feel, especially defensively, you feel the game. Uh, Coach Carroll taught me that when when he was uh, when Gus Bradley was his DC. He would say, you know, Gus loved the numbers so much that you know he was always like, hey, if the crowd's really into it, don't be afraid to bring an extra pressure or whatever it may be. So that I, I just can't wait to watch that. Um, and what a moment! Like we, when do we ever get this? I can't think of one time we've had a season opener with a team whose head coach got plucked from the opponent, let alone the Natty, like the national yeah. champion. So it's, it, I don't know. Can you guys? Yeah. No, I, I think I think the the biggest thing too is, is not just the Kiffin's teams, maybe. Yeah, Sorry, it's gotta be. No, you're good. It's it's just the emotions behind it, like you said, Yogi. Aside from even even the the schematic part of it and, and, you know, the X's and O's, just the emotions that that Oregon team is going to have fighting for their first year head coach, the young guy who got the job when people might've thought he shouldn't have that, like that's powerful. And I think that's going to have an impact. And then not, not just the scheme from Dan Lanning, but also all the young staffers he took with him from Georgia. You know, those are guys that have seen that, that, that Georgia roster every single day too. So there's a whole staff at Oregon that's been at Georgia and seen those guys day to day. Um, but uh, I'm excited. The, the the big matchup I'm looking forward to seeing, and we haven't even really mentioned them. Oregon's young receivers, Troy Franklin, Dante Thornton, against yeah. Ringo. That 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 you know, great DB in the Georgia secondary, Georgia's whole defense. I mean, Oregon's got some good young receivers, and we'll see if uh, if Bo Nix, assuming he's a starter, can can get the ball to him in space. Yeah, that'll be good. All right, so I want to transition to a, a theme. Well, let me uh, let me real quick question. Yeah, will Bo Nix, and he'll be healthy. Will he finish the season as a – if he's a starter, will he finish the season as the starter, Yogi? Both of I, you. I think he will. I think this team's going to be really talented. Um, I think they're going to win games. And I think that Bo is – I don't know if he's going to have a Heisman-type season or I know some people have projected him to be one of the top quarterbacks taken in the draft. We'll have to see that, to your point. Um, but I think I think he'll finish the season – as the starter, I think Oregon's going to have a, have an impressive year. I, I think there's a world where they can get to double digit wins and, and see if they can find themselves back in Vegas. They got to go through Salt Lake city to do that though. Right. Well, they get them <laughs> at home in week 11, like so much can happen between now and then. Um, good, good you know, I, I don't know, but I like how their schedule sets up. I go, I go back to that, right? Like they don't play SC who Adam, you know, he, he's raved about um, and they play Utah late. Like, I think, again, there's time for them to develop, but it's going to be hard charging early, right? Eastern Washington isn't a slouch from calling that game week two. Then they have BYU coming home. And I think what's interesting, we don't talk about it enough. I don't know if you guys talked about it in the other previews, but quarter system schools versus semester schools. Quarter right. system schools don't have students on campus, right? So right. what's the environment like in Austin? Like, I think they'll come back for the BYU game, but will they be there for Eastern? And if they do have an impressive win, let's say they have that upset, like, hanging like there's some realities to cliches right yeah. and it, it, they're just going to be really fun to track um, all right another thing to track uh, is the portal right we, we've talked about this a ton let's talk about quarterbacks and kind of chunk it uh, before i want to get to tanner mckee towards the end of the conversation here we got about you know 15 20 minutes left here uh, cameron ward in my eyes second mm -hmm. best quarterback in the portal behind caleb williams because he's proven mm -hmm. he's proven right jackson dart hadn't been proven. I think his ceiling's really high. Cameron Ward, and you study him, really talented. Uh, we have Jane Delora, intra-conference transfer, right? He was the reigning freshman offensive player of the year at Washington State. He goes down to Arizona with a bunch of talented players there. We look at Emory Jones. In, or he's a transfer in the portal. Jack Plummer will be the starter at uh, Cal. I think Cal is tremendously underrated. Uh, was up there last week. 
I really like what Justin Wilcox is doing. And then Michael Penix goes to UW under Kalen DeBoer. So I want to start with uh, Penix, and then you can kind of give me your thoughts on some of the other guys. Uh, but but Michael Penix to me in Washington, Washington's a big-time job. Right? And I was just there over the weekend. He hasn't been named the starter. I'll tell you this, after seeing practice, all three dudes, Dylan Morris, Sam Heward, and Michael Penix, they were all. I think they could all win games in the league. And that's not even me like being the Pac-12 guy here. Like that's legit. I think all three can win games. Uh, Dylan has won big games, beat Utah a couple in 2020 in the pandemic shortened year and a big comeback in the second half. And Sam Heward is in his second year, a la Ty Thompson. He'll be the guy there at some point in his career. So what do you think of that get from a guy who took college football by storm a couple of years ago at Indiana and now he's on Mont Lake? George. Go ahead, Adam. Go oh, ahead, Adam. I'll take it. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, take it, Adam. I mean, yeah, he he was he was special at Indiana. I think I think the transfer portal this year has given us so many cool stories of guys that are getting second chances to revive their careers. You know, we you mentioned the we talked about Bo Nix a bunch, talk about Emory Jones, um, but yeah, Penix Penix has been special, and I think that that Washington offense uh, is going to be much improved from what we saw the last couple of years, and uh, it couldn't have gotten much worse. Uh, but but they they've you know they've got some playmakers. We'll see who ends up walking out with that starting quarterback job. Obviously, Sam Heward's play, played a lot of football there, um, but overall, I, I think I think Washington has a chance to take this to take their program in the right direction after that after that kind of you know embarrassing last couple of years they've had, and uh, and you know I I think it all comes down to for them to recruiting their home state, you know, and 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 to keeping their best players home and. And I think the board is going to be able to do that. You can't lose guys like Josh Connerly to Oregon. You know, you got you got to keep him home in, in Washington. I think uh, I think the board is the right guy to do it. I don't know if they're going to be great this season, but but obviously getting Penix is a is a good step in the right direction. I 100% back you on Penix again. Being battle tested means so much in college football because you don't get all these years to accrue. Penn State primetime game opener two years ago Penix I think they were like three touchdown dogs at home beats them it's just some old find a way to get in there he's diving for pylons he's getting to the third and fourth read in the fourth quarter withstanding the pressure puts a big scare in Ohio State um, took big shots downfield and a lot of kids I say that because a lot of people a lot of quarterbacks, when they're back there, if a defender is one or two strides from you, I'm off of everything else except preservation. And Penix, almost to his detriment, has shown, I'm a stay, hang. You're going to have to wipe me off this field. I'm going to throw this dagger. And he did. And, and yeah, unfortunate for his circumstances there injury-wise. But he proved, I'm a I'm, – I'm a scary force in the Big Ten. Okay, now he goes to UW. And to Yogi's point, we know the other two youngsters sitting behind him or sitting with him because they haven't, you know, kind of navigated that. That might be the deepest room in the, in the conference at quarterback, top yeah. to bottom. And, and, like, what a luxury that that new staff has. I would take it a step further. Yeah, I think every – school has to keep the in-state kids in as best as possible but UW when they really got rolling they came down to California like most of the Pac-12 does but when they really got going and you now you're talking about your perimeter weapons and 
Yeah, a lot of those defensive stalwarts, if you look back over the years, were California kids they were able to get, build trust with, recruit them, win the recruit, and get them up there on campus. And lastly, this is a winning staff. This is a winning staff. They stayed together as a unit. Look how many coaches on DeBoer staff were together at Indiana and then came down to Fresno State, got going, and then as a unit go up there to Washington. A lot of familiarity. And I say that because that's not always the case. Look at Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's staff at LSU may have one or two like of the front 12 uh, position coaches from Notre Dame. And he had to basically make a brand new all-star team of coaches. Now he'll go and get it done because he's a great coach, but there's a lot to be said for culture, familiarity, a through line, who are we, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I am really excited about this Husky team, but it really is going to come down to um, can they punch up? Like we kind of, we'll credit them for the wins we think they should get, but the turning point is going to be when UCLA comes into town, when you show down at the Coliseum, when you get a chance to go to Eugene, do you have the ability to punch up this year? You got a vet at the helm, which is their best shot to do it. But are you as a culture and program capable of punching up? You know, can you get somebody to stagger and fall? Yeah. So, some things there just to clean up. I think all valid points. Uh, Adam, I think you said embarrassing last couple of years. I, I think that's a, a thought around them. Remember, in 2020, they won the North. Then they all got COVID and couldn't play in the title game. Right? Like So last year, it was just that dark that it seems like that cloud yeah, is kind no of continually hanging. I think for the state of Washington, I think they've gone out of state to get some talented players. But uh, Miles Gaskin, Buda Baker, uh, there's some talented players that have been in their backyard as well that they've kept home. So I think there's points to both of those of – can you build a pseudo fence around that state and go find uh, some talented players like John Ross, for instance, is, is an example of an elite uh, skill player for them. I, I'm really intrigued for them because their, their schedule is pretty fun. Like they don't play SC and they, they go to UCLA on a Friday night. If you're going to play anyone in LA, you want them on a Friday night. Like it's just hard to get anywhere on a Friday night. Like the crowd's probably going to be late arriving. Like that's, you just know oh, that. That's good reality. That's, you know, that's, a, that's insight. Yeah. So I, I, I say this, and, and this is kind of my bold prediction. Uh, one of them for the year, I did this on the Pac-12 Networks this week. Um, I think they beat Michigan State in week three at home. Uh, and I think Husky Nation kind of feels some, some joy because it's been a minute, right? Like they were supposed to play Michigan in 2020 at home. That game, of course, like everybody else in the country, non-conference wise, got knocked out because of COVID. So this fan base hasn't had like a big time home game in a minute. And we've all been there and been on that sideline. That fan base is as passionate as there is in the country. Uh, and it's in a city. Like, it's not like in the sticks in Jurassic Park, for instance, as George referenced earlier. I mean, this is a major metropolitan area that throw down for UW. So I, I, think it's, I think it's a big moment as Mel Tucker comes to town. And I'm excited for this team. Uh, Transfer-wise, they bring in a bunch of running backs. Uh, they bring in a running back out of Virginia who was a captain there. He's in his sixth year. Uh, Wayne, I don't want to mispronounce his last name. I don't know my pronunciation guide in front of me. Uh, they bring in Cam Bright from Pitt, a transfer mm -hmm. captain at Pitt. Like, again, we talk about these new coaches. Like, how fast can you get your guys to trust and buy in, right? Michael Penix played for Kalen DeBoer. He's calling his plays. Right? So I, th I think there's something to that for you, Dub. They have talent. Like, it's not like recruiting 
dramatically fell off. Like they missed on Connerly, they missed on some big names, uh, a Mecca, uh, they missed on a D lineman who went to Ohio State last year, but it's like they don't have anybody there. Like I think that cupboard is fuller than people think. And to Adam's point, like it's just that cloud kind of hung over and continues to, uh, but they're doing well in recruiting. Uh, and I think that offensive staff, there's one thing I really feel strongly about this year is what they're going to do on offense. And Kalen DeBoer has just proven. You know, he and his OC, they've just proven it year in and year out. I think regarding some of the other transfer quarterbacks that I want to give a little love to. Um, well, wait, quick question on you on the on the dogs before we yeah. roll. Because, you know, I want to talk quarterbacks. But for both of you, like, everything's relative. So what is a successful season? for the Washington Huskies, like given Yogi, like all yeah. these positive aspects that they've either overcome, sustained, or have going in their favor, what's what's a winning season for them? I think in year one, getting back to a bowl game. Like I, I think six, seven, maybe you can get, like, get to eight wins. Like I think that's this thing moving in the right direction. They're one of those programs that, okay, they're not, call it top 10, blue bloods but they're, they're, they're like right below that as a blue blood like they could catch fire chris mm -hmm. peterson's a great example of, of what happened right his first year and a half was a challenge and then it got going and then whoom, it really picked up a bunch of heat and they go to the playoff and you know hang with alabama at least in, in the game if you go back and you watch that one so so that's what i see uh i think they start off two and oh michigan state you can call it a toss-up then they get stanford they go to ucla at asu versus Arizona at Cal. I think a lot of those teams, starting with ASU, Arizona, and Cal, like we don't really know what they're going to be by midseason. You know, and there's a chance that I could say, yeah, you know, Michael Penix is rolling. Like, this dude is – he's a threat. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see ZTF come back, uh, their edge rusher who had a, you know made a lot of plays last year. I think they've got some unique depth there. Uh, the question for them will be in the secondary. They're replacing two guys that are playing on Sundays in Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. And they don't have a guy who's that. Jordan Perriman transferred from UC Davis, played for our our good friend, um, uh, the Hawkins family, Dan Hawkins over there. Uh, he transfers up. He's probably the best mm -hmm. DB, best corner they have. Uh, but guys have played a lot of ball. Right? Asa Turner's played a lot of football there at safety. I, so I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see kind of how it shakes out. But but I'm intrigued by them. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on on the other quarterbacks. Like, Let's just go through the league. We kind of hit most of the guys, but Jane Delora, Jed Fish brought in a top three recruiting class in this league, top 20 in the country. Did well in the portal and brought in the best receiver in the league, and Ted Taroa McMillan. Pretty impressive. Chance Nolan comes back. He'll be a two-plus-year starter for Oregon State. And Jack Plummer comes in from Purdue for a team that probably runs the ball as anybody, as well as anybody in the league at Oregon – or, excuse me, at uh, – that runs the ball, uh, plays as efficient as anybody in the league in Cal, I think, with, with him throwing the ball downfield. So what do you think of that trio there? As I say, Delora, Chance Nolan, Jack Plummer, representing Arizona, the Beavs, and, and Cal, and Justin Wilcox. Yeah, I, I, th I think Delora is obviously uh, a, a big step up for U of A, and what Jed Fish has done at U of A in a short period of time is is extremely impressive i mean you think back to when he was hired and and a lot of people were had a lot of question marks around why uve went in that direction and, and he's done nothing but bring that program i mean there's a newfound energy around U of A right now he's recruiting the state which which schools have have uh, the in-state schools have struggled to do for a while in arizona um to land noah noah fafita 
T-Mac and Kean Burnett in the 2020, mm. uh, 2022 class, I think. I mean, that, that's you know three of the best uh, players in, in, in that recruiting class. I mean, to get them to go to U of A was something that no one would have thought would happen a couple of years ago. So um, I actually thought about possibly toasting to Jed Fish in the intro, but I, I passed and went to Bo Nix. So, but he's doing a great job at, at U of A and has that place feeling pretty good. But you mentioned, um, you know, earlier um, – you know, Cam Cam Ward. I mean, transferring from uh, with his with his head coach. You know, his head coach Eric Morris from Incarnate Ward is now the OC calling plays at Washington State. I mean, that's a that's a big you know the the continuity there is is huge. I think Cam Ward. You said I think you said Yogi. He's the second best transfer quarterback in the conference. I mean, if he if he uh, plays up to eighty percent of the hype we've heard about him so far, I mean, they, they're going to have a great season and play better than and and Jake Dickert's. Um, doing a good job. They, they've obviously been through a ton of turmoil last year. That was a mess of a season they had to deal with, but I think they have some stability now with Dickert, and and I, I'm excited to see what Cam Ward does uh, transferring up to up to the big leagues. George, you're gonna love Cam Ward. Like, start your man crush already if you haven't already. He's a beast. You're gonna love off platform every phrase you can think of. <laughs> Wait, pull it out. You're saying I'm gonna love Cam Ward? Yeah, if you don't already, you're gonna fall in love with him this so year. So for the people at home, we we worked with Cam Ward mm, as a fifth grader, sixth grader, seventh grader, wow. eighth grader. Uh in our trips down to Texas, um he always moved, act, and operated older. He always mm. did. And and a lot of times you know, just a little inside baseball. When you do camps and clinics and things of that sort, you want to separate kids by age. You want your youngsters and middle schoolers on have their own time and space so they can move and operate. Then you get your junior high guys and high school kids over here. Even then, you want to subset those groups just because they, they're going to move different. Cam was always a group up, always a group up, always serious about his ball, always wanted to do the breakdown, uh, always wanted to do the always wanted the complicated feedback, not mm-hmm. nice throw, which we're not going to give him that anyway. But I know I completed it, but how could I have done that more efficient? Coach, I see you looking at me. I know you want to say something. What is it? Like he's always seeking feedback. There's traces and sprinkles of some El Presidente Chase Griffin oh. in him <laughs> in terms of the aspiration. Yes. And for those of you looking at the at the screen like chase griffin look ucla and then look united states presidential candidacy what is it 2042 i think or 2030 regardless chase griffin is over there but cam ward serious about his craft serious about his opportunity and his role yes very familiar now going into incarnate word as a young high schooler who only offer yeah, his only offer, and honestly, it was a travesty. Not a great big high school, uh, you know, played his heart out, all kind of talent. But the, you know, you go through the whole COVID thing with all these youngsters and not getting a chance to go to camps and things, made the best of it. Goes to Incarnate Word. What is it? What's the Heisman level there, Yogi? What's the trophy called? Uh, Jerry Rice. Yeah, the Jerry yeah. Rice Award. Like, Adam, like, let's get real. It's not just go there and start as a freshman. Yeah. Go there and be the best player in all the land. 
And then boom, oh, portal. Oh, we can transfer. <laughs> oh, I can take all this and go someplace to somebody who's in need of what I do. Where do I sign for that? Like, loved it. Okay, so. And then he goes to Washington State. I can be a difference maker there as opposed to go to UCLA, sit in this, you know, golden trim room and wait behind all these guys and hopefully one day my time will, no, 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 no. This, this train is going out the, out the station right now. Where? Mm. Washington State. So love that about him. Delora, Arizona. Jed Fish, what'd you say, Yogi? Let me go back to my notes. I'm a student of all these guys I go on air with. 18 months to build a culture. Therefore, right about the end of this season, mm -hmm. Arizona is going to start to round into shape. Jed Fish, for those of you at home, UCLA, Michigan, New England Patriots. He's a winner. And all he's been around is winning. That's it. It's not like he's been getting, you know, kicked in the teeth and, you know, kicked out of moving vans, you know, and rolling on the street like you see them. No, no, no. He's been in real winning situations from some of the best coaches in the country who can be more drastically different. Chip Kelly, Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick. Now he's got his first at bat, which he really had to wait a long time to get that. Uh, it doesn't all come like the 36-year-old Dan Lanning. Now he's got that. Okay, Deloria. Plummer. I really love Plummer. He could not hang in that arms race and that arms battle with Aiden O'Connell. I'm sure the Big Ten guys tackled him, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm sure he learned in that knife fight what it what it means to really come into that building. If anything, he's going to support you have a veteran backing you up. And who's the last one, Yogi? We went Ward. We went Deloria. And who else? Chance, Chance Nolan. Yeah, Nolan. Nolan. Oh, yeah. Again, solid, solid. I I don't have a big, I've only seen him a couple of times. I don't have a big, you know, cast about, you know, what comes out ahead of him. But again, serious about ball, uh, mechanically sound is not and, and not a, a risk taker. He does not throw dice. So if you give those guys, you know, all the support around him, I like what all those guys are going to do, especially what uh, Fish and Cam Ward are going to be able to kind of drive out from their respective positions. Okay. All right. So we're coming up against here. I want you to think about, and you have to be brief, the one player most excited to watch this fall that nobody's talking about. Okay. I want you to think about that. I'm going to give you a little commentary on those quarterbacks. And then we're going to give, you two are going to give your power rankings before we kick out of here, before they kick us out of here in this in this show here. <laughs> we're, we're talking all things Pac-12 football field of 12 after dark presented by bet rivers with that said uh jane delora he's added 15 to 20 pounds i think he's gonna thrive he's playing under center he's playing with jet fish in this offense i think he would have thrived at washington state if he stayed there and cam Ward didn't i think he's gonna thrive at arizona with jet fish i think he's that type of dude tetero mcmillan will be an all-conference player at some level by the end of the year and i think he's gonna be in every award race when we're talking about a 6'4, 215 eventually 220 pound wide receiver and he'll have a chance to do very special things in Tucson within this offense and, and the young weapons that they have uh, and love what they've done in the portal. Can't wait to see Johnny Nansen, first-time coordinator, long-time coach, got a shot there. I'm jacked for them. They got a big stretch early on. They go to Dime City. 
that new stadium against San Diego State on CBS, mm. national television, noon game. I think they get a win uh, based on what I think San Diego State is going through right now. It's going to be really interesting to watch. Braxton Burmeister, a one-time Arizona commit, now the starting quarterback, San Diego State. Let the drama unfold from there. Uh, keep it moving. Uh, Chance Nolan. I-, I think Chance Nolan's really improved at the one thing he said his intentions on this offseason, deep ball. Deep ball accuracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really worked on it, cleaned up his mechanics, got a, became an absolute nerd around that element. Brian Lindgren is one of the more uh, valued coordinators quietly in the country. He turns down he turns down more jobs uh, than all of us probably have combined. You know, every year, uh, dude is he, he's really special as a teacher and as a uh, game planner and a play caller. We've seen him do it now multiple stops. I think he's got a chance to be a head coach in the future. Uh, I'm buying Chance Nolan perfecting the deep ball this year in a way that he didn't last year. Jack Plummer, this is the best offense. I think it's the best team Justin Wilcox has had. And we've seen Justin Wilcox knock off Oregon, beat SC, uh, beat UW. I think it's the best team he had. This is a guy who turned down an opportunity to go back to the school where he played as the head coach. I think he is as lit up as he's ever been around this team and this program. Not a ton of depth on the O-line. But they have the second or third best defensive front in this league. Brett Johnson is the best interior defensive tackle in this league. They have the deepest linebacker room in this league. Who is their other corner opposite Lamagia Hearns? Uh, we'll find out. But their wideouts, best group of playmakers he's had, led by Maven Anderson. Uh, so excited about those quarterbacks we referenced. All right. Briefly, George, you want to go first? Who is the player you're most looking forward to watching that isn't you know, donning the cover of all these preseason magazines? <laughs> He's not down on the cover, and he's not even a quarterback. Wow. He is an offensive you don't player. Do that. I, I, I don't. But let me show some range. Let me show a little bit of range. Yeah, yeah, go there. The Oregon Ducks had last year, I thought, one of the most dynamic running backs who really, in today's game, playing in space, uh, we see a lot of three and four wide sets. Who's going to take and, and kind of control the middle? Travis die all of a sudden like USC's like front office and their you know their <laughs> their GM and everybody they're on the horns they, they, they're doing all the calls and everything um yeah found a situation I was gonna say found a number Travis die Travis die I think he is going to be one of the most because you're going to need somebody to offset all that aerial power SC. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to run the ball up by a score with four minutes left. You're going to have to get in some shootouts and be able to control the middle. And you're going to need a dynamic three down guy to go play. And then of course they reach up to Oregon pull, I think their best offensive player off the roster, tuck them in all of a sudden. Here we go. I think, uh, okay. I think Lincoln Riley would say he plucked them from the portal versus plucking them. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, okay. That's Adam, your, your turn here. I'm, I'm like the PC police here in the Pac-12. I love it. I love it. Uh, quick one real quick that we didn't talk about a lot. Tanner McKee, I think is going to be a the first round talent at, at quarterback, but mm-hmm. he's, he's kind of an easy one because he's a quarterback. So we're going to go to Arizona. We'll sail on the Jed fish hype train. Jacob Cowing was one of the oh, biggest nice. signings from the transfer portal oh, this offseason. Oh, I mean, from oh, UTEP, we're a guy who just has been ultra productive, 150 some catches in his career. 
Um, he, he's, he's a bunch of touchdowns, great kid from everything I've heard about him. That, that was, I mean, that's a guy that a lot of schools wanted. I mean, there was, he was a hotly contested portal guy and to get him from UTEP was a big, big get for, for Arizona. I think he's going to have a monster season for, for, uh, for U of A. I think he is the hottest wide receiver prospect in the portal. Um, yeah. Two-star prospect from the state of Arizona coming back to the West coast from UTEP. Uh, as you hey, can I make an addendum? Well, go ahead. I mean, yeah. what do you got? <laughs> you're, you're, and you're, you're addressing that uh, very nicely. A guy we haven't said much about. I think we like maybe touched on his name. I'm not saying he's under pressure, but he certainly is under a microscope coming out of Jurassic Park, having experienced uh, two seasons behind a Tampa Bay Buccaneer quarterback and Kyle Trask. Then he got a chance to play battle shaky a little bit. Then the wheels came off the program is Emory Jones. Emory Jones. Now we talk so much about the value of being battle tested. He's got a lot of experience, but I don't know how many battles he's been in. Now you're at Arizona state replacing the shoes of Jaden Daniels, who went into the Jurassic park. What does, what is he going to do? Dual threat ish. He's not really a takeoff and go guy. For those of you at home who doesn't know Emory Jones, think about Teddy Bridgewater, maybe not as accurate. But that level of athlete, in in my humble opinion, now you're with the Sun Devils. Now you're at the front of the helm. This is the first time Emory Jones has had a chance to kind of step forward and be forced to galvanize people before the torch was passed. There is no torch passed here. You land, and that program is also trying to find some footing they're trying to kind of calibrate you know recalibrate a little bit right now heavy charge but if he steps into it and he leans into it and like that lupe fiasco song if you are what you say you are <laughs> this is going to be a great challenge for him not saying he's under tremendous pressure because i don't think our expectations on the program are that much but again Coming from where you came from, what you've experienced, and what you're going into, what is that going to look like by the time we get to Thanksgiving? Sorry, uh, that's all right. I, I, hey, you are one of the greatest communicators on planet Earth, George. So I will never stop you from communicating. Uh, with that said, I'm excited for for him on a bunch of levels. Arizona State has lost some players, has added some players. Cam Johnson, one of those at wide receiver, I think he'll have a big year for them. Uh, and Herb Edwards is as good as there is at communicating to players and breathing confidence into them. I think that's exactly mm -hmm. what's going to happen with Emory Jones. I think his stinger was taken away from what I was told by the previous regime at Florida. And, and I look forward to watching it. Uh, first game of the season, the Pac-12 next Thursday night. I'll be uh, all over that coverage on the Pac-12 networks. Uh, my guy, uh, I'm not going to say anybody we've already referenced. You two need to think of your uh, power rankings super fast because we only have four mm -hmm. minutes left. So you get mm -hmm. to say 12 well, wait. If you ask Dagan, it, just historically, you do have the ability to roll into extra innings if you need. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I, I got to roll into bedtime with a seven-year-old. So <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're, um, we are going to uh, go fast. My player is Liatu Latu. Uh, know the name. I'm telling you right now, know the name. I think he's got a chance to be all everything. The a high draft pick. We're talking about six foot five, 270 rugby player coming off the edge who was injured at UW had to medically retire to come back and get cleared at UCLA. This dude is going to be that freak coming off the edge. What I predict we haven't seen it on field. We haven't seen it on tape. 
We've seen it at practice. I've seen it at practice. Uh, that's the guy that I want you to remember as we get through uh, the rest of the season. So with that said, uh, George, I'm going to have you go first because I feel like, Adam, you can go really fast if you're only under, under the pressure here. George, your power rankings. Uh, let's start at 12 and go all the way up to one. Go. Uh, well, 12 for me, Colorado. I know, again, they, they made some Keep nice adjustments. Okay. Keep it going. <laughs> okay. Keep it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if uh, so, wait a second. This is a little different than – the last time everybody I thought put in their 12 and everybody put in their 11. Oh, I wasn't here for the, my bad. I wasn't here for that. But you so guys I, can go ahead. Why don't you guys go 12, 12 and, and work your way up and uh, and I'll moderate us on out of here. Go ahead. Yeah, let's do that. At 12 right. is Colorado. Okay. We got Cal at number 12. Wow. I think you're way off. Go ahead, George. No, he... no go ahead. You two will go. I'm going to moderate. We're, we're, we're under the gun. Oh, so wait, you're not going to go here. Oh, go ahead. You guys can knock it out. I got I got Arizona State at eleven. Okay, I could see that. Adam, I have Colorado at eleven. Okay, I could see that. All right, George. Uh, I have Cal at ten. Underrated. Go ahead. I have uh, Arizona State at ten. Okay, George, nine. Uh, nine. I battled back and forth on this one. I hate to do it to those guys because I really like them. Um, Band-Aid. Right. Arizona. <laughs> okay, hey, hey, it's better than 12. It's better than one win. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Nine. I, for you. I got the same thing. Arizona at nine. Okay, let's go to eight. Uh, Stanford. Now, again, I think Arizona and Stanford, they're basically going to come out the same, but how they're going to fall, I put Stanford at eight. Yeah, tough schedule. Both those yeah. two probably is the two toughest schedules in the league. Okay, Adam. Stanford at eight as well. We'll we'll, we'll make this interesting here soon. All right, here we go. Seven. Uh, seven. I have Washington State at seven. I think they're gonna put on a good show, but I don't know if they're gonna close a whole lot of them out. Okay. I've got Washington at seven. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right, halfway home. Six. I have Washington at six. The Apple Cup, the big impactful game. You're saying the Cougs win it. In oh, no. Sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, sorry. I have the fighting Yogi Ross from Oregon State that's it. at six. What a miss on my part. No. <laughs> okay. That's okay. Good. I already six. showed you my father. You got two minutes left. Got Washington State at six. Okay. Five. Uh, five. I have Washington at five. Adam. Oregon State. Oh my! Wait, wait, wait! You know the question is who do you have fifth overall in the Pac-12, not the North. The overall, <laughs> yeah. the, the North doesn't exist anymore, fellas. It's just the it's just one league. It's just uh, the Pac-12, man. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> what do we got for? Uh, four. I have Oregon. Okay. Uh, UCLA at four. Oh my! Oh, okay. All right. So you're saying the Ducks beat. <laughs> Well, one one of you is saying Oregon wins that game in Austin with Chip Kelly's return. All right, at three, I have the Bruins at three. Okay, Zach Charbonnet for Heisman. Go ahead. I have U Utah at three. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! I, I I'm gonna save this like thing and, re, and rerun it in in twelve weeks. I, hope I, I like Adam I hope on here. Adam is in here. 
rerun I, it. I, Don't worry. I gotta go back and rerun it for you. Don't worry about I that. I gotta check with HR if, if he is he just in here just to kind of you know what I mean spur things up. You talk you know, Stephen A. Hey, right hey, now. Hey, you you guys knew that was coming. I've been hyping up USC and Oregon all, all right. day. All right, two George. <laughs> Two, oh, who do you, who, who's going to Vegas and who's winning, George? Give us two and one together. Who's playing for the Pac-12 title? Uh, Utah is going to be playing the Trojans. Who's the one seed? Uh, the, the Biker Gang. Okay. The Biker okay. Gang will be there against uh, SoCal, and I have the Biker Gang winning it. Wow. So you're saying the Biker Gang would win the first match midseason in Salt Lake City. They're going to be the one seed, I'm assuming, and then SC invokes revenge? Uh, correct. Okay, got it. Interesting. I see you peeking in my notes. Hold on a second. I'm just saying, SC finishes with Notre Dame prior to that game, and Utah finishes with Colorado prior to that game. Okay, last one. Go for it before we sign out, Adam. Who's going to Vegas? You got Oregon and USC. And out of the first-year head coaches is hoisting the trophy. Uh, Team Lincoln-Riley. LA takes it home. LA. He took, so he took a couple of weird turns, but he got to the same arrival. I love it. My, I love uh, it. my math teacher in the fifth grade, Mrs. Pappas, who said, nah, show me your work. The work <laughs> doesn't show, but your answer got there. All right. That's amazing. Uh, I wish uh, I wish I could turn my screen around. A seven-year-old fell asleep watching this show. Not because he wasn't entertained, because it just got a little dark in the room. Uh, thank <laughs> you, fellas. Are you? Are you contractually not able to give your thoughts on the Pac-12's outcome? I'm contractually uh, unable to keep this stream going any longer based on us running right up against it. And I got to help carry Oh, no, no, no. I got the fine print right here. You are allowed as the point guard to, if necessary, under circumstances that deem as much to (laughs) go extra innings. Beautiful. Well, no extra innings here, uh, but tune in tomorrow. It's the All-American show uh, on the field of 12. So that'll be fun. And uh, we'll keep it moving as uh, as life rolls on here in college football. We are less than uh, two weeks away. Uh, this week, we got week zero games. I know you guys are excited about those. Uh, as always, fun to see you. Fun to hang. Fun to toast. Back to the pack. If you don't know about it, uh, come out of Jurassic Park. will be your go-to. If you want to learn about what football and life is like on the West Coast, it's way more fun. I promise you that. Peace. Wedding crashers. Come on, Pac-12.